Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. What's your reaction to people so close to you saying don't trust you? Well, just like what I just said, the Democrats are desperate for this seat. This seat is important. They're, they're, they're very desperate for this seat. I love my family. I always love my family. I'm going to win this race. I know I'm going to win this race and stuff. Herschel Walker's spin gets more ludicrous by the day and exposes Republicans' contempt for women because apparently it's okay for Walker to pay for an abortion, but they want harsh penalties for women who need the procedure. Also tonight, less than five weeks to the midterms and Republicans are pulling out all the old fear and loathing playbook, trying to scare voters about crime. I'll show you how Democrats are fighting back. Also fighting back is tonight's readout democracy defender who's working with Michelle Obama and a lot of other amazing people to increase voter participation. Meanwhile, Republicans are doing just the opposite, suppressing the vote and nominating a staggering number of candidates who might well cancel your right to vote altogether. But we begin tonight with a crucial component of the abortion debate that largely goes unscathed, even unnoticed. The men. Since the virgin birth of baby Jesus, for all my saints and believers out there, conception without sexual intercourse hasn't really been a thing, meaning it takes two to conceive. But in anti-abortion states, when it comes to an unwanted pregnancy or a wanted but unviable pregnancy, it's only the women who face the consequences, ranging from criminal charges to major health complications or even death. The abortion debate has focused solely on women and girls because they are the ones getting pregnant by choice or in some cases by force. It is the act of ending a pregnancy that's the crime, which leaves one person in that act out of the conversation. We've seen red states seek to criminalize women who seek abortions or their doctors or even those who help a woman or a little girl seek care, the out-of-state clinic, or under the draconian abortion law in Texas, the Uber or the Lyft driver who just drives a woman or a teenage girl out of state. They could be legally liable. This radical mission to ban abortion, which Lindsey Graham has promised, will become national law if Republicans take over the Senate and the House, is not about life. As Jennifer Rubin wrote today, Republican so-called beliefs are a smokescreen to grab and hold power. And it's not about Christianity either, though it is about religion, namely the worship of a man whose presidency crystallized the right's dream of delivering all power back into the hands of the right men. Here's Republicans' religious leader explaining who should be punished for abortions. Yes, Do you believe yes. in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is a principle. Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. What we're seeing on the right is nothing less than sheer contempt for women. Taking us back to when women and girls existed solely as property, their wombs as state incubators. These are just some of the bills introduced by state legislatures this year. Punishing women who receive abortions. To, uh, punishing women who receive abortions with prison time or punishing abortion with the death penalty or allowing a rapist's family members to sue those who help or provide his victim with an abortion. Do you hear anything here about consequences for men? Despite men not being the pregnant person in the equation, the pregnancies at issue are unwanted for them too. 
Yet they are completely off the hook when the right talks about criminalizing the procedure. And particularly conservative men get a huge pass, an instant Christian redemption for consenting to the deed. Herschel Walker, the mumbly Republican nominee for United States Senate in Georgia, is now enjoying, is now employing literally silly putty logic around his abortion stance. He says he wants to completely ban abortion, likening it to murder. But when the mother of one of his out-of-wedlock children told the Daily Beast that Walker once urged her to get an abortion and also paid for it, well, in that case, what's the big deal? I know nothing about any woman having an abortion. If that had happened, I would I would have said it. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. Walker is denying the abortion allegation and is also denying the latest charge that he has a child with this woman. But what you just heard was his if I did it moment. It's okay for him, but not for the millions of women and girls who have faced this exact scenario. It's nothing to be ashamed of for the man. Yet he's still pushing for a nationwide ban on the women. As a man of faith, he is entitled to redemption without even having to admit to the sin or apologize. But for women... The only possible redemption, even if you've been brutally raped or trapped in a marriage that's violent, uh, like J.D. Vance wants you to stay in, or as Herschel Walker apparently subjected his former wife to, or if you're pregnant as a result of incest, or if, like Herschel, it just wasn't the right time for you to be a parent, the only way you as a woman can get redemption is to go through nine months of pregnancy with all the medical risks in red states with barely any health care, and then take full financial and care responsibility for the child. Your problem, not theirs, not the state. Perhaps the crime isn't so much the abortion, but not being a man. Joining me now from Georgia is Yumi Shalsendor, Washington correspondent for NBC News and moderator of Washington Week on PBS. Also joining me, Juanita Tolliver, MSNBC political analyst and co-host of Crooked Media's What A Day podcast. And Charlie Sykes, editor-at-large at The Bulwark. Thank you all for being here. Yumi, I'm going to start with you because you've been down there right in the mix. You've been talking to voters. You got a chance to holler some questions at Herschel Walker. It is really sort of stunning to watch him say, I didn't do it, but if I did it, it wouldn't be a problem because it's me <laughs> and I can do it. You know, it's, it's sort of a, like it, when you're a star, they let you do it kind of defense. When you talk to voters who hear him mumbling these defenses, do any of them say to them to say to you when they when they're justifying voting for him anyway, he's a murderer, in my view, because I'm opposed to abortion, but I'm OK with him murdering because I like his politics. Joy, an, an important and critical question, but no, I don't hear that from voters. What I do hear here in Wadley, Georgia, which is a deeply red part of the state, Herschel Walker held an event here. And as you said, I got a chance to question him and press him on some of those things. I want to start off by saying I questioned him about that, that statement that if I had done this, nothing would be yeah. wrong. When I questioned him about that and said, well, how do you square that with your, uh, with your, with your uh, opposition for abortion in all cases, including it, if it's rape or incest? He literally denied saying that. Of course, it's something that he did say this morning to you, Hewitt. So it tells you in some ways where Herschel Walker is. I also put the question to him, what do you make of the fact that your family, Christian Walker, your son, this woman who says she's the mother of one of the children, that you've publicly acknowledged, that they're saying don't trust you and that you're a liar? He said this is all part of a Democratic distraction and that this is not, there's nothing to see here, that this is really people trying to stop him from running. Of course, I should say his opponent... Senator Raphael Warnock, she says that this is all disturbing. He's reiterating his support for abortion rights. And when he gets to the voters, Joy, I've been really, really struck. One or two percent and this and, and, and one or two percent of the vote. And that could swing this important, critical, tight Senate race. But voters that I've talked to, they're not moving. If you're someone who didn't like Herschel Walker, especially because of the domestic abuse allegations, you don't like him now. And I also talked to a voter 
who's a fan of Herschel Walker. She told me 100% she believes that he did this. She believes that he's not really being truthful. But she said, I'm voting for him anyways <laughs> because I'm focused on inflation and crimes. And if he did do this, this was a mistake. And now he's on the right track because he opposes abortion. So that's what's going on here in Georgia on the ground, Joy. Did you ask her what she thinks that guy? And she heard him. So she can hear him just like we can hear him unless she, she, she ain't listening to anything he says. What does she think he's going to do about crime? What does she think he's going to do about inflation? What is his inflation and crime plan in her view? I asked her that. I said, well, is, how is voting for Herschel Walker going to better your life? And she told me, well, it's really about the fact that she thinks that these policies the Democrats have, that they are really wrong. But she didn't really articulate what specifically Herschel Walker as a U.S. senator from Georgia can do for her life. She really instead bashed his opponent and bashed Democrats, which really sort of tells mm-hmm. you about the tribalism here. People are in their camps, right? If you're a Republican who already weathered Trump, who already saw all the scandals there, who saw the Access Hollywood tape and hung on anyways, then you're still sticking with Herschel Walker. So that tells you in some way what the politics are here and how people just sort of are shrugging their their shoulders at this. They don't believe it because they don't believe any of it. Uh, Juanita Tava, let me bring you in here. He got past apparently putting a gun to his wife's head. And people say, well, you know, that's not a big deal. I mean, these things happen. (laughs) So this to me, this is like the the more minor scandal. Right. So it's like if he could put a gun to his ex-wife's head and people go, hey, you know, things happen. It's clear that there is no principle here other than what uh, we heard Dana Loach say the other day. Women are skanks. Who cares what they do? Who cares what you do to them? Do whatever you want to them. I just want right wing men in charge. End of story. If that is a part of the electorate and then you've got another part of the electorate. Let me play the Republican. This is the Republican lieutenant governor of the state um, who are sort of like the small rational piece of the party. Here's uh, Jeff Duncan. Every Republican knew that there was baggage out there. And uh, but the weight of that baggage is starting to, to feel a little closer to unbearable at this point. If we're being intellectually honest, Herschel Walker uh, won the primary because he scored a bunch of touchdowns back in the 80s, and he was Donald Trump's friend. And now we've moved forward several months on the calendar, and that's no longer a recipe to win. This is so refreshing to hear somebody just be blunt bl- honest. So you have that small part of the party, and then here's Herschel Walker's response to Jeff Duncan, to the lieutenant governor. Right now, you know people like that. Do I listen to? You know, people told me I couldn't play football. So do you want me to listen to someone like that? I'm here to win the seat for the Georgia people because the Georgia people need a winner. They don't need no one that we see going on right now. Georgia people looking for a winner. <laughs> he could just literally get up and say, hubbity, hubbity, hubbity. They don't even care what he says. So, so, so I, I'm wondering that what you make then of the strategy that Democrats have of just sort of quietly letting it happen, Juanita, because there's nothing you can do about these voters who are for Herschel. If they're for Herschel, he, he could... You know, you know, Jane Alosha, he could, could abort baby eagles on television. They don't care. Right. So if they're already for Herschel Walker, I agree with everything you and Yamish have already said. They're in their camp. They're not moving. But I'm thinking about that tiny sliver of independent voters and voter enthusiasm amongst Democrats that can be ratcheted up. So while Senator Reverend Warnock might not be addressing this head on and wading into it, the PAC supporting him better be. Those ads better be cut and running every day from now until Election Day, because that's going to stir up any more energy amongst Democrats who are already committed to Warnock. But they can go knock on doors, get on the phones, turn out even more voters against uh, Herschel Walker. I think also playing that message for independence and some Republicans could potentially yield to them even skipping that question on their ballot because they're like, he's too disgusting. I can't hold my nose and vote for this guy. I'll split my ticket and my ballot any way I want, but I'm not voting for Herschel Walker. So I think 
again, even though Senator Warnock's not engaging on this, the PAC supporting him absolutely better be cutting ads to be running for the next 33 days. You know, it's interesting, Charlie, that the support, the most vocal support for Herschel Walker is coming from outside of Georgia. Um, people inside of Georgia are kind of wincing at him. Um, but the national Republicans have made it clear they don't care what he does. You know, he, he really could kill someone on Fifth Avenue. They don't care. They just want the seat. But I'm wondering what you make of the Republican Party's real openness about this open contempt for women, for, for women. They're running against a woman who's running for governor of that state. There's a woman on that ballot, on the national ballot, Stacey Abrams. And I mean, at this point, they're just saying, we hate you women. What makes them think women are going to vote for them? Well, that's an interesting question, you know, but to Yamisha's point, it's it's about that. But it's also about just the the rank tribalism here, you know, and there's so many things going on here. They miss the lying. It's the it's the it's the, um, you know, the the hypocrisy. I mean, look, uh, it, it, it it's obvious. Herschel Walker is lying about this. Republicans know that he's lying about it. And Walker knows that they know he's lying about it and everybody's cool with it. Everybody is okay with it because it is all about power right now. It's all about this binary choice. It's all about I don't care what he's done. I don't care whether or not. And look, we should never make light of mental illness in any circumstances. But this is a man who has some severe issues here. And you listen to the argle bargle of, you know, that uh, the word salad from that that gaggle that Yamish was asking him questions, the complete incoherence of all of this. So you have the lies, you have the hypocrisy, you have the manifest unfitness of, of this man. And Republicans don't care. And they're open about it. This is what's extraordinary. This is not new. You know, I mean, after Access Hollywood, after, you know, six years of, you know, rationalizing Donald Trump, of course, this is where they're going to be. It's just the the openness, the very clear that we don't care about character. We don't care about truth. We don't care about honesty. Hypocrisy is just not a thing for us anymore. And for pro-lifers to say, yeah, in our mind, he is responsible for murdering a baby, but that's okay because we want control of the Senate more that than part. that, and we don't care yeah. about it. And the fact that these charges are coming from women and from his own son, and, and he just son. says that Democrats hate me. Well, no, these are the people <laughs> whose lives you've impacted. In any other, we are all old enough to remember when any one of these things would have been absolutely disqualifying. So what does it say about the Republican Party that they look at Herschel Walker and say, yeah, let's put this guy in the United States Senate? But uh, but the Republican Party didn't look at him and say that. Trump looked at him and said that. This was Trump's pick and fully categorized yeah. as one of those candidates that Mitch McConnell described as a low-quality candidate with a really yeah. questionable it's past. Over. And so no one wanted him but Trump. Yeah, well, but also and Mitch, and Mitch McConnell. McConnell's willing to have him, though. Mitch McConnell doesn't care about the, the, the dignity of the United States Senate. He, he will take it right. if he can get the majority. I have to ask you this other question, Charlie. I mean, the great Nicole Wallace has asked this question for a couple of days, and I want to ask it to you. If Judge Roy Moore were running in this cycle, current cycle, don't you agree that he could have been easily elected given this the way things work now. He was also endorsed by Trump. He was credibly accused of um, having pedophilic uh, uh, predation toward little girls. He'd win, though, right? Oh, this is an excellent question, because you're right. You want to get a sense of where the party is going and our politics is going. Just go back to that election where there were enough Republicans that said, "Ooh, you know, the fact that he is, you know, a sexual predator and may have engaged in sexual assault. um, We just can't go along with that. Well, fast forward to now. 
where I think the party has become much more comfortable with saying we just don't care. We want that vote in the United States Senate. So I agree with you. Um, you know, again, this is what's important about this is to realize how this has changed. And, uh, you know, that there was a time when, say, uh, somebody like a Todd Aiken in Missouri who said something about abortion would be disqualified, abandoned by Republicans. There was a time not that long ago when enough Republican voters would turn against Roy Moore. But I completely agree um, that Roy Moore would win in this election cycle with this political ethos. Easily. La I mean, very well, before we go, Juanita Tolliver, is are Democrats making enough of the vow by people like Lindsey Graham to take this national, do a national abortion ban real quick? Absolutely not. There's always more that can be done. I know that Democrats and uh, nonprofit organizations are investing millions into it, but we need millions more to compete with the onslaught of ads we know that are coming from Republicans to make sure abortion stays front and center. And you know what you could do? You could elect women. There are a lot of women running statewide. You might Come not on. want to put all these men in charge if they're saying that women don't matter. Maybe put some ladies in charge. Yumi Shalsandor, Juanita Tolliver, Charlie Sykes. Thank y'all very much. Up next on The Readout, Democrats love to see their representatives fight back. And right now they are fighting back hard on the Republican fear tactics. And that is next. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. With less than five weeks until the midterm elections, Republicans are going all in on one issue, crime releasing a garbage dump of attack ads targeting Democrats in key states. Perhaps the push has something to do with the realization that overturning Roe was actually wildly unpopular. And oh, by the way, they don't have any actual ideas on how to tackle other issues like inflation. But this strategy is actually something that we've seen before. Back in 1988, when George Herbert Walker Bush's campaign aired this ad. Bush and Dukakis on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. 
The purpose of that ad was to scare white voters to the polls in support of Bush and away from his Democratic opponent, Michael Dukakis. And it worked. So today's Republican Party ripped a page from the exact same racist fear-mongering playbook. Just take a look at the race for Senate in Wisconsin. Many of the pro-Ron Johnson ads have hammered Democratic candidate Mandela Barnes on the issue of cash bail, calling him a dangerous Democrat and making frequent mention of the person who plowed his car through a Christmas parade in Waukesha last year. While in Pennsylvania, Republican Senate nominee Mehmet Oz has gone after his Democratic opponent, John Fetterman, calling his work on criminal justice reform, quote, pro-criminal, and even insinuating that his tattoos, which represent his commitment as mayor to end gun violence, mean that Fetterman has ties to the Crips. You cannot make this stuff up. Some polls suggest that this strategy, as bizarre as it is, actually might be working. But as a new ad from two Democratic members of Congress points out, Republicans, including the House Minority Leader, don't exactly have the best track record when it comes to crime. Kevin McCarthy, you want to talk about law and order? Okay, let's talk. Bakersfield, the heart of your congressional district, is now ranked at the top 10 most dangerous metro areas in America. Your own sheriff said, we know we have a violent crime issue. Kevin, your district has been the murder capital of California for five years in a row. And if you're so concerned about crime, why did you vote against $350 billion in funding for law enforcement? Every Democrat voted for it. When Democrats passed a bipartisan bill to fund local police departments, you didn't even bother casting a vote. Joining me now is Congressman Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, one of the Democrats behind that ad. The other person behind the ad is Representative Ilhan Omar. So uh, it's a pretty powerful ad, uh, pointing out the high crime rate in uh, Kevin's own space. Ouch. Uh, how did you and Representative Omar come together to, to pull this off? It was her idea, uh, Joy, and, and she wanted to join us tonight. Mm -hmm. I know she had another commitment come up, uh, but we were talking about it, and Ilhan said, why are we taking this crap from them on defund the police and, and the racist fear-mongering they're doing when McCarthy has the fifth highest murder capital in the country? He voted against funding police departments. He voted against the most recent uh, grant program that Ilhan and I both voted for. And when it came to the January 6th cops, he rooted for the rioters uh, while the rest of us uh, worked to honor the Capitol Police officers. So he's not pro-cop. He's pro-coup. And everyone needs to know that. And I mean, I know that you're friends with a lot of Capitol Police officers, so I know you're speaking from about people that you uh, have great relationships with. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting that overall crime doesn't rank that high when voters are asked what the most important issue is. It's, it's well below things like the economy and uh, abortion, which is more important, even climate change, you know, things that we push to try to get people to talk more about immigration. Um, and it, crime is actually down. The FBI says crime is down. Um, Violent crime is down. So why do you think Republicans are zeroing in on something that is not top, is not the top issue for voters, and it's also declining? It's because they don't want to work the problems the American people are facing, Joy. They want to just work for their own power. And they do that through fear-mongering, or they do that through threatening uh, violence. And, and that's what we've seen all the way through. And that's why it's important that Democrats reclaim many of these values that we've actually legislated on and enacted to help people, like freedom. Uh, we're the party that believes every woman should make her own health care decision. We're the party that believes your kid shouldn't go to school living in fear of gun violence. We're the party that believes you should be able to vote and have that vote counted. But too often we don't defend ourselves. We put both hands behind our back and, and too often it's the upper hand uh, that's really held back. And so I really want us to start pushing back against this nonsense, contrasting ourselves with MAGA Republicans 
I think we win on that. And how big is the buy and where where is the ad running? Well, it, it was it's run digitally all over the country and enjoy. Uh, we have more coming. Uh, so we, we are you know, working on a few more that are going to roll out, uh, partnering with other influencers around the country to tell the story of who the Republicans are. We're going to continue to fight for people. They're going to continue to show themselves to fight exclusively on politics. And I think at the end of the day, in such a jump ball election, I'd rather go with the party fighting for people. Uh, let me ask you about uh, a development that we just heard today, and, 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 and I, I just tweeted really a little while ago. It is a BFD, President Biden pardoning uh, thousands and thousands of people who have been convicted of simple marijuana possession. There are a lot of people, speaking of crime, people who've been, you know, deemed as criminals for doing something that, you know, bros in Colorado and California are doing and making billions off of because it's legal in those states. What do you make of this move um, and what do you think the impact will be? Uh, of the president pardoning marijuana, people who are convicted of marijuana, federal marijuana possession. Fully supported, uh, Joy, and it disproportionately, you know, black and brown Americans uh, have suffered because of this. And as a prosecutor, I saw that when it comes to crime, law enforcement often were bogged down in, in prosecuting uh, misdemeanor uh, marijuana cases when they would rather attack, you know, violent crime that hurts our community. So I, I actually see this as a pro- police initiative, if we can truly decriminalize or legalize marijuana and give law enforcement officers the funding and the tools they need, you know, to attack robberies, to attack rapes, to attack homicides, and not to waste their time uh, with something that overwhelmingly the majority of Americans in every community, rural and urban, support. I have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Um, we do have the um, January 6th, the January 6th committee is going to meet again next week. So we're going to be back uh, on looking at, you know, sort of the things that happened on January 6th. We also have this Oath Keepers trial that is continuing to go on. A couple of headlines. Oath Keepers founder Elmer Stewart Rhodes apparently claimed to have contact with a Secret Service agent, according to a former member of the group who testified to that uh, in the trial on Thursday. Um, we also have um, one of the seditious conspiracy, uh, people who charged with seditious conspiracy actually pleading guilty, uh, and that is a member of the Proud Boys. As a former prosecutor yourself, what do you make of these developments? Yeah, we need to know if that was true, uh, Joy. We already know that uh, there were those in the White House communicating with, you know, violent rioters outside the White House. That's what former Congressman Denver Riggleman, a part of that team, uh, has told uh, the public uh, but it's so important that this hearing happened. We saw Roger Stone in some of the video that I think is going to come forward in the next hearing, uh, encourage violence and say, you know, it's time to carry out uh, violence because we have an election coming out, another inflection point in our country. And we have one side that is more comfortable with violence than voting. Joy, I, I liken the Republican Party today, the MAGA Republicans, to Biff Tannen of Back to the Future. They don't have any ideas. They just resort. Their default is violence. Our default is voting in the will of the American people. And this next hearing is going to connect the violence that Donald Trump and his team knew about and make sure that when we have another election, we don't let this happen again. Congressman Eric Swalwell, thank you so much for being here. Please thank Representative Omar. And we know she wasn't able to be here tonight, but thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up, how many of the GOP candidates or the Republican candidates, I don't even know about calling them the GOP anymore, in upcoming ballots still believe that the 2020 election was stolen? Way too many. And the danger goes well beyond the candidates. The poll workers and other people behind the scenes, they're the ones on the front lines. More on that next.
rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. On November 8th, our democracy is quite literally on the ballot. And last night in one critical state, Arizona, House January 6th committee member Liz Cheney gave a stark warning to voters. In Arizona today, you have a candidate for governor in Carrie Lake. You have a candidate for secretary of state in Mark Fincham, both of whom have said, this isn't a surprise, it's not a secret, they both said that they will only honor the results of an election if they agree with it. If you care about democracy and you care about the survival of our republic, then you need to understand, we all have to understand, that we cannot give people power who have told us that they will not honor elections. And while the two candidates Cheney mentioned, Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, are among the most egregious threats, the Washington Post found that a majority of the Republican nominees on the ballot this year, 299 in all, have denied or questioned the 2020 presidential election result. It's so widespread that there's at least one election denier running for federal or state office in almost every state. Only two states, Rhode Island and North Dakota, didn't nominate an election denier for any office. Three others, Montana, Tennessee and West Virginia, nominated election deniers for every office. But in addition to the peril that's on the ballot, there's also the continuing threat of violence against frontline election workers. Today, the Justice Department announced that an Iowa man was arrested for threatening to hang Arizona election officials. All the more reason why federal officials have warned of the shortage of election workers due to those threats. While in some other states, the concern is protecting the election from groups who are trying to undermine the election. A Michigan official told Politico there's concern that bad faith precinct workers could intentionally turn away and disenfranchise voters. But with early voting already underway in key states, tonight's democracy defenders are working overtime to ensure that voters, especially young voters and voters of color, are armed with the knowledge they need and a plan to get out their vote. And that is next. The midterm elections are just 33 days away, but in many states, it's already here. In tonight's, in tonight's, and tonight's democracy defenders are working to ensure that between now and November 8th, young people and communities of color are empowered to reclaim their vote. When We All Vote, the nonpartisan initiative launched by former First Lady Michelle Obama, is working to close the race and age gap in voter participation, encouraging voter registration and early voting. And joining me now is Stephanie Young, executive director of When We All Vote. And so tell us how, how it gets done. I mean, 
are there issues that are pulling younger voters to the polls? Because we talk a lot about abortion on this show and, and women's uh, you know freedom. We just saw President Obama, um, President Obama, President Biden, uh, you know, uh, do something about marijuana possession, pardon a lot of people for that. We've seen student loan relief. What are the issues that we're, you're hearing about on the ground? Oh, I don't think we have your audio. Uh-oh, you're muted, you're muted. Oh, the technology is against us. I oh, there we go. No. That's okay. <laughs> yes. So, no, I was saying those are all the issues that young people are caring about. You name them all when it comes to, you know, their own power over their bodies, when it comes to the cost of education, when it comes to climate uh, change and climate justice. Really, these are all the issues uh, that are really uh, intriguing and engaging young people. Young people aren't as attached to political parties, uh, but rather they are attached to the issues. Uh, And that's why we partnered with an organization called Climate uh, uh, Power so that we could help to uh, engage more young people around uh, climate change and climate justice work uh, and ensure that they were not just registered, but they're ready to vote. They're making a plan and they're recruiting others to do the exact same thing. And I didn't mention gun violence, but we've seen so much of that activism among really young people, whether it's the Parkland kids and others. I wonder if, as you're talking, with, especially with young voters, are they connecting political power and voting to change in those issues that they care about? Or are they seeing it as not important, not connected, not the way to actually get what they want. Well, in 2020, we saw 50% of young people vote. That's the highest uh, number of vote, of young people voting uh, in a general election. So we know that, that they're making progress. We also know uh, after polling, after the 2020 election, they recognize their voting power in a way that they had never uh, recognized it before. They realized when literally we all vote, uh, we actually become a movement. Uh, and so I do think they understand that voting is a part of the process. Uh, it's not the end all be all, but it is the first step uh, to ensuring that we see our communities change uh, and we see this country move forward. Uh, and I will say that we saw a huge um, uptick in, in participation with us. We just had our, our big week of action. Uh, we're over 22,000 people checked their status uh, or got registered. We had young people on campuses in high schools uh, hosting their own voter registration events. So the energy is there. They're recognizing their power. Gen Z represents one out of uh, 10 uh, American voters and they are the most diverse, but only 8% of them consume traditional news. So we know that we have to go to places to reach reach them where they are, but they're ready uh, mm-hmm. and they're ready to get out there. And let me ask you about this question of intimidation, because we know, I mean, everything from the Proud Boys stationing themselves at election places, we know that as voting, you know, it takes a while sometimes to count the votes. There's a lot of fear out there and a lot of deliberate fear being created. How fearful are young and voters of color um, about intimidation at the polls? Well, look, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and, you know, we saw the long lines uh, election after election. And we understand that this state, along with uh, states like Florida, Texas, they've all uh, passed voter suppression laws. Uh, We've seen over 520 laws or uh, legislation introduced all around this country. So people are on high alert. And that's why this week was so important. It's National Voter Education Week. And this is a time to educate voters on how to make a plan to vote, um, what that 1866R vote number is led by the lawyers committee and others to help uh, ensure that they are confident and they know that they have someone to lean on. And and what do you think the reaction would be? I mean, there are plenty of states where election deniers are saying if they don't like the results and they get elected, they're just going to overturn them. Are are young voters aware of that? And are they aware that who they put in is going to determine whether elections count? 
Well, you know, that's the thing right now. Uh, as you were talking about election deniers that are running for uh, election this year, what's really, really scary right now is, is, as, is how we're looking at uh, those secretaries of state and those attorney general uh, uh, seats that are up for re-election or election in, in a number of states, almost 30 states. And we're talking about these are the people that are going to actually determine what the election in 2024 looks like. So right now, it's like, how are we um, not just encouraging people to vote? But how are we educating them on the entire ballot? Uh, at When We All Vote, we have uh, a tool called Ballot Ready. It's a great uh, organization that we work with where folks can look up their tool. But we emphasize these offices in particular so that, number one, uh, folks are, are, are more aware that it's not just a member of Congress. It's not just a senator. It's not even just the governor. We have to make sure that all of these roles uh, are filled by people who actually believe in a democracy so that in 2024, we can see a democracy continue in 26 and 28 and beyond. And how much is Michelle Obama going to get directly involved in this effort? I know this is her initiative. Yeah, well, she's been involved. We had a huge summit uh, this June in Los Angeles, California, called the Culture of Democracy Summit. She gave an exceptional speech. I encourage everybody to go back and listen to it. She talked about how uh, fragile this democracy is and how we all had to get out and vote. Uh, she also helped us to roll out National Black Voter Day with Chris Paul. So she's been out there, uh, and you can expect to see her maybe in a couple of weeks at some point. Well, well, well if you talk with the, the former first lady, we like to call her the forever first lady, please let her know that she and her fabulous braids are welcome to come on this show. There's a seat for her right here on the readout, and we'd love to talk with her. But thank you very much. We really appreciated you. Stephanie Young, thank you very much. Really appreciate what you do. All right, and coming up, please don't forget to plan your vote, by the way. You can go to NBCNews.com slash plan your vote for information on registration, deadlines, early voting and more. And coming up next on The Readout, the United States hits Iranian officials with additional sanctions after Iran's desperate attempts to stop the brave women on the front lines of the recent protests. More on this after the break. Protests in Iran over the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini have now stretched into a third week. Amini died last month, just days after being arrested by Iran's morality police for allegedly failing to fully cover her hair. Iran's government insists Amini wasn't abused and that they would conduct an investigation into the cause of her death. The Iranian regime has made a concerted effort to stop the uprising by disrupting the Internet and cracking down on street protests with riot troops. But brave women and girls continue to lead the fight. In one recent incident, Iranian girls chased a hardliner out of a school while shouting shameless at him. NBC does not know when the video was filmed and what led to the altercation, but it's still astounding to see young women uncovered shouting for their freedom. Another video shows yet another large crowd of young women, again uncovered, shouting down a man and telling him to get lost. The man is reportedly part of the security group cracking down on the protests. Since the election of hardline President Ibrahim Raisi last year, morality patrols have grown more aggressive. The fact that we're even getting these images is pretty astonishing, given the lengths that the theocratic government is going to snuff out dissent. Women around the globe are showing support and solidarity, some by cutting off their hair. Others, like Iranian cartoonist Nazreen Shaki, are showing support by using their art as protest. Nazreen Shaki, who now lives in the U.S., joins me now. And uh, thank you so much for being here, Nazreen. Your art is beautiful, um, and it's very evocative. And the hair being the the sort of subject, right, of Masa Amini's death and the, 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 the tool right. of protest for women. Talk about that for a little bit. 
Right. Um, first of all, uh, I need to mention about uh, the Islamic uh, regime government. Uh, from the beginning of this government, like 43 years ago, this regime were always against of women's rights. And we never, ever wanted this regime in Iran. And women oh, always didn't want this regime because this regime was uh, just mandatory everything for women. And this time, uh, just women removed their hair, hair, hair a scarf and fired this head of scarves and they were just trying to stand for the rights. The good news is that we don't scare and we are here to stand for our rights and remove this regime. This time, it's not only about women's rights. This time, this week, men and women, they all are together to fight for their right to just remove this regime. We don't want them. They are terrorists. And they are going to tear you guys too. So I just, I, I want to, I want help from all these countries, all these governments, all these people who are calling themselves human beings. If you call yourself human, just support these people and don't be welcoming to this regime. These Muslim regime government, they just terrorists. They're tearing their own people. They are not from us. They are not from Iran. Iran has more than 5,000 years history. And we never, ever had this kind of abusive regime against a woman in my country. They cannot fight with culture. We have a rich culture. We have brave women. And if they think they can bring women down with, with their rules, with their mandatory things on the base of religious, they cannot do that. All these pressure was like a dime like pressure for diamond they build brave women right now they cannot yeah. win we will win we will remove this regime and we need we need these women these people they need our help we need to raise our voice to help them and i as a cartoonist woman as the only cartoonist woman in the united states i'm here for them i'm fighting with my cartoons and our hair has power because this government's gonna remove this. This government's gonna remove with the scarf. The rules in uh, the rules are relay on our scarf. If that's their power, they can remove it, and we can do this. We need to just fight about it, and we're fighting for human rights. It's not yeah. just for women. Let me ask rights. you. I mean, this is an elder. It, it is a ger, it's a it's a gerontocracy. It's a very elderly government, and Iran is full of very young people. I mean, the average age is much younger than in the United States. Do you think that because yeah. these are young people who are insisting on change, it's ironic that when they came, they were the student movement, right? And now it is students. It's young yeah. people. Do you think this can be sustained long enough to have a change in the government? Uh, it could be, but I need to mention something. Uh, 43 years ago, once the re uh, Islamic regime built their mandatory rules for women, we had a woman movement in my country mm. from the beginning. We had, uh, we had revolution against all these uh, hijab mandatory thing, and they killed all women. So it happened yeah. once, 43 years ago. So it's not mm -hmm. something new. It's not something just happened because the young generation, I came from the same generation. I was in the yeah. streets like 15 years ago against of this government that they are cheating. They are, they have a lot of corruption. They're lying to us. 
They are killing their own people. They are not representing Persian people. They are totally yeah. different kind of people. And they are like less than less than thousand people. And they're going to fight with 84 million people in Iran. And yeah. people all are angry about this system, about this situation. And uh, we're fighting as much as we can. And actually, I, I love these uh, action from these young people, especially these young girls. They are so brave. I really admire them. And they really inspire yeah. me. And they inspire all women all over the world. And we all yeah. here next to them. They should not feel that they are alone. I'm here. Indeed. Indeed. And I think the world is with them. Uh, and you just can see those pictures taking place on the screen. I think the world is absolutely with the young women and the young men who are standing with them in Iran. Nasreen Shaky, thank you very much. And that is tonight's readout. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.